What's up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. It is just before Thanksgiving, so I am in a good mood. Crazy week, though it has been. So it's good to see you, and I hope everything is well with you as we head into the holidays. Boys, a tumultuous week again. Uh, a couple of very interesting things that happened, uh, not the least of being w- which we got the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And thankfully, he was found not guilty on all counts. Whew, I tell you, I was, I was genuinely sweating that one out. Um, you know, I don't have too much faith in juries and these crazy prosecutors right now. And, and I kept thinking back to the, uh, the case for uh, Derek Chauvin you know, when he was found guilty uh, in the George Floyd case. And, and, and that was one in particular that it felt, it was really weird, it was conflicted because it felt right that he would have some kind of punishment it seems like all indications were that Derek Chauvin was a bad guy and on some level somehow he deserved a punishment but given how that case proceeded and seeing some of the evidence and that you know there are testimonies from experts that stated he used even less force than he was entitled to and a bunch of other things that yeah, you know, it felt you know like there was some reasonable doubt there, but he was found guilty nonetheless. And so on on one hand, it felt very just and right, but on the other hand, it felt a little bit like you know he was sort of a sacrificial lamb on on, on some level, and and that you know someone had to pay, and so it might as well have been him. It just again, it was weird. Felt conflicted, and so with that in mind, I, I was very nervous with with Kyle Rittenhouse that he was going to be a similar type of sacrificial lamb, you know, simply because he had a gun or whatever. Um, it, it it made me nervous, and and you know, seeing uh, that weasel binger and and his cohort Fatlock and and the nonsense that they were spewing up there, um, the, the idea that that it you know could have some weight. I mean, it definitely made me nervous, but uh, thankfully, all, in the end, justice prevailed. The right verdict, I believe, was handed down, and hopefully, we can put an end to that whole uh, that whole nightmare. But I shouldn't be forgotten the malicious prosecution that took place from ADA Binger. And we're seeing this all over the country. He's not an exception. He's more of the rule. And hopefully people are waking up that you you need to pay attention to who these guys are who are running for these offices locally. And these types of people should not be given any kind of power, any kind of authority whatsoever. Because it could just as easily turn on you as it did on Kyle. Now the predictable... Twitter outrage erupted after that. You know, there were from raising all across the spectrum from, you know, Bubba Wallace to Kyle Kaepernick, Bill de Blasio, Jerry Nadler, um, celebrities, athletes. I mean, everyone was frothing at the mouth that, you know, this was unjust, and, you know, many were bringing the point, particularly Bubba Wallace, you know, what if Kyle were black? You know, he would be put, you know, for life for prison, blah, 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 blah. Well, all of those people seem to be missing two very key points. Number one, this was the right call. And if if this wasn't 
Self-defense, nothing is. And you, me, Bubba Wallace, anybody and would not be able to defend ourselves under any circumstance if Kyle Rittenhouse was not judged to have used self-defense. But number two, that very same day, there is a young man by the name of Andrew Coffey IV in Florida. Now, Andrew Coffey IV in Florida is an African-American gentleman, mid-20s, and he was on trial for um, a shooting involving, I don't know if they're DEA agents or or just you know cops or whatever who were who were besieging his place and in in the course of events he shot and killed someone because he believed that you know, he was under threat and he was acting in self-defense you know not not unlike Brianna Taylor's boyfriend who was uh, who, who shot and injured a police officer because he said he you know, thought it was his her ex-boyfriend and he was just protecting blah 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 self-defense then and in the case of Andrew Coffey the fourth on Friday the very day that the verdict for Kyle Rittenhouse was handed down Andrew Coffey was found not guilty and the justification was self-defense so Bubba Wallace Kyle Kaepernick et al Bob, or Andrew Coffey was found not guilty. So if Kyle Rittenhouse were black and everything happened exact, exactly the way it is, you know what it would have been? Self-defense. It doesn't matter what Kyle looked like. In fact, the fact that he was a white guy seemed to be a detriment to his case. The fact that he was a white male with a gun seemed to be his major sins. I mean, those were three big strikes going against him, and that seemed to be one of the main causes for the outrage against him. Because there was a lot of people who seemed to be very oblivious to the fact that the those who were injured and killed in that incident at those riots in Kenosha were all white guys. In fact, the only one who was shot at and and not injured was that jump kick man who they eventually identified. Um, but he was a black guy and, like the others, had a violent uh, rap sheet. Everyone else, they were white guys. In fact, that seemed to take people by surprise. There were a lot of people who, once they learned the identity of the victims, not that that should matter, but they said, wait, wait a minute. This is not what I thought at all. I thought he... He shot and, and killed and injured black guys, but there were three white guys. And for some people, that changed their mind. <laughs> I mean, they, they acted like, you know, Kyle descended on Selma, Alabama, and a bunch of peaceful people with hands locked saying, we shall overcome, and he just indiscriminately started firing at them. <laughs> I mean, that, that seemed to be the image that they were portraying. But that wasn't the case. These were not protesters, even though there was some BLM uh, undertones with it, and it happened after the shooting of, of Jacob Blake. These were not protesters. This was not a protest. These are straight riders. You know, the chief of police and the mayor in Kenosha at the time proactively decided to stand down these protests. They wanted to stand down any of the violence because they saw that what had happened in. Minneapolis, and they didn't want to confront these uh, protesters slash riders, and they just let them run hog wild. And this wasn't day one, too, either. This was several days into 
these riots and businesses being burned and property being destroyed, they let it go hog wild. So it seemed to be the person with the least amount of fault in all of this was Kyle. But the mayor, the chief of police, all of those have far more blame to bear than Kyle did. But that seemed to catch a lot of people by surprise. And if it did, they ought to... uh, Check where they're getting their information. Check their source, because wherever they're getting information from is not right. In fact, even after the case, people were spouting off saying, how could he be allowed to shoot and kill these young black men? And, you know, Jalen Rose went on ESPN just frothing at the mouth saying, you know, people were just protesting the unjust murder of Jacob Blake and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they had just fundamental details of this case wrong just straight wrong you know the 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 fact that people still believe that kyle's mother drove him across the border which sunday now they care about borders but drove him across the border with gun in hand so that he could attack these protesters i mean all of that was pure fiction you know kyle's father and and relatives and friends live in kenosha he worked in there he stayed overnight the gun was kept in wisconsin was always kept in wisconsin never went to illinois and so on and so forth but these fundamental points of this case were completely lost on people and they just ran wild with it but justice was ultimately served and seems like going forward kyle is most likely and justifiably going to be a very rich man once he starts to take up you know slander and libel suits against all those who defamed him over the past year plus you know you you saw what happened with nicholas sandman and and the suits that he won it seems like this is going to pale in comparison i mean he has been called from last year up till now even after the verdict he's been called a white supremacist he's been called a murderer he's been called a vigilante Uh, all these objectionably disprovable points they have asserted about this kid over and over again and that includes joe biden who called him a white supremacist during the campaign last year. It seems to be those are going to be some very expensive comments, some very expensive tweets, and it's going to come back to haunt some people uh, for sure. But it, it's just amazing that you know, people think that that Kyle just simply shot at protesters and, and the falsehoods just didn't end there. But... Everyone that he shot was a bad guy. They all had mal uh, malintent. They all had rap sheets the length of your arm, and they were all violent and intended on doing harm. But now this is also dur- during time when the um, um, Ahmed Ar- Arbery uh, case was was going on down in Georgia in case where these you know, three white men were on trial for murdering and, and killing or shooting and killing this uh, unarmed black man as he ran through their, uh, their neighborhood. Some dispute whether or not he was actually a jogger or if he had been looking into these homes or robbing from homes that run a construction or what have you. It was a lot harder to find detail on that case than it was the, you know, Kyle's case. But that's one, it seemed like, unless there was some evidence to the contrary, that each of these guys 
you know, that they, they stood in, in fault, you know, that there was no reason they should have pursued him. There was no reason for them to be armed. There was no reason for them to approach him. And the it was their own fault that led to him dying. And in fact, just a little bit ago, all three of them were found guilty of murder. And that seems to be the right call. Now, that doesn't seem to be getting nearly the attention as as Kyle's case, where Kyle's case bizarrely was was some kind of referendum on race relations. Here's a case where these three white men were responsible for uh, shooting and killing this unarmed black guy, and they were found guilty in that case. And justice seems to have been served. So, where is the the outrage on it or where is the praise for it in fact i i just looking at it a little bit ago i couldn't find anybody condemning this verdict i couldn't find anybody who was claiming the prosecutor overstepped his bounds or that some glaring evidence was was left out of the trial or or what have you it seems to be with unanimity that this was a right verdict and a just verdict and it does seem to be, but it's not getting the case. Now, why is that? I don't. You can come to that conclusion on your own, but I, I, I think it's related to the next story that I want to talk about. And this one was truly, truly sad and tragic. Over the weekend, in a parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where I have many uh, family and aunts and cousins who live there, a Christmas parade was taking place, and a man in an SUV accelerated and ran through and struck and killed people who were participating in the parade and viewing the parade. The scene was horrific. It's heart-wrenching and absolutely just horrific. And there seemed to be this weird rush in the very beginning to find out well, what was the, the 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 demographics of the of the driver what happened here and in short order it was found out that the driver was a man by the name of Daryl Brooks Jr who is a black guy and just as quickly as his name was dropped out there and he was apprehended the narrative on this nightmare shifted from it being a parade massacre to being a car accident. And the narrative we've seen in the days since is that so far, six people have died in this parade car accident. An accident would imply that it didn't mean to happen. It was not their intent. Is someone brakes went out or what have you and a very unfortunate series of events happened and this this accident happened and people were hurt and killed in the process. Early on, this doesn't seem to be the case. Now, just like with all of these very high-profile incidents, I will always say, wait until you have all the facts. And right now, we have very few facts, but the ones that we do have are very, very troubling. First of which being, Daryl Brooks Jr., who accelerated his SUV throughout this this parade, killed six, injured 40-plus. He was released from bail that Friday, 
two days prior, on November 19th, that Friday, he was released from prison on a $1,000 bail. The charge he was released from involved him attempting to run over somebody with his car. Now, Daryl Brooks Jr. also, with a very uh, cursory look at his social media presence, was a very vocal supporter of BLM, was a very vocal critic of Christianity, and called for as many white people to die as possible, and so on and so forth. Now, all of this is very troubling. How much it bears in the case, I don't know. We'll wait till the detail comes out. But what we do know... It's just days before this happened. He was released from bail by a DA by the name of John Chisholm. Now, remember when I talked about the DAs out of control, like ADA Binger? We're seeing more and more that these guys like Binger, Chisholm, Kim Fox in Chicago, and all around the country are out of control. And honestly, it's by design. Each one of those three that I named, plus others around the country, are financially backed by George Soros groups. All of them are intent on bail reform and so on. And and this $1,000 bail was part of that. And you look at some of the rhetoric during the campaign of John Chisholm when he ran for DA. One of the things that he said, which is truly bizarre, and I can't fathom why the voters in Wisconsin would be okay with this, but he said, as, as a result of some of these policies, well, some people need to die, yes, but it's the right thing to do, blah, 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 blah. Uh, pardon me? <laughs> Someone's running for office and they have an idea and they'll say, well, will some people die as a result of this? Yeah, however, blah, 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 blah. Uh, are you kidding? I mean, this is the dude that the yahoos up in Wisconsin were voted and voting for. Good Lord, between him and Binger. Now, again, we have Kim Fox down here, so I get it, but... Holy crap, what a tool that guy is, and he deserves all the heat that should come from this case. Do not let this one go away. Do not let this fade into being just coined as some kind of unfortunate accident. This was a massacre. This was someone who was deranged. And unless there's some glaring detail that I don't know about, this guy deserves to fry for this. Now, again, they're, they're trying to tamper this down, saying it's an accident. There was this weird narrative at the very beginning saying he was fleeing from a knife incident, which has been debunked in short order. So do not fall for this narrative. If you came away with thinking that Kyle shot black eyes, do not listen to, to them again on this case or anything else. But we should not, for a second, forget those, at least as of now, those six who have died. And I'm just going to read to you their names because they need to be remembered too because if Brianna Taylor's name needed to be said, these people's names need to be said. Tamara Durand, 52. Wil- Wilhelm Hospel, 81. Jane Kulik, 52. Leanna Owen, 71. Virginia Sorensen, 79. And Jackson Sparks, 8. The ladies that I read, I believe they were all members of the Dancing Grannies, which was why they were in this parade. I mean, they were just having fun. They were doing their thing. They were participating in this local parade. And what they got in return was some crazed 
Jagoff, some tool, just driving through and killing them for no reason. Evil. It's truly evil. But again, the media is ignoring the BLM and other uh, aspects to it. Don't let them get away with it. Keep calling them on the carpet. Now, that's before I end. I was very encouraged this past weekend seeing across the globe some very vocal and largely attended COVID protests all over the globe. Now, you may not have heard about this at all. It's something that didn't seem to get a lot of widespread coverage. You know, certainly not like some of the other nonsense that we had here. Of course, you had the the incident in, in Waukesha on Sunday. But I was absolutely stunned to see the wide protests that were happening all across the globe that were protesting mandates and COVID restrictions of all kinds, whether it be uh, shelter-in-place and quarantine orders, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, booster requirements, what have you. People were out in force, and it was very encouraging. Because, as an example, recently the UK is now requiring boosters for vax passports to be valid. Germany has promised by the end of the year compulsory vaccines for everyone in the country. Australia continues with their draconian policies and have built vaccine internment camps. It's just absolutely terrifying and surreal to see. Austria has has now come down that they are going to have some very strict vax mandates. And it's really scary to watch all of that happen. But, you know, I was was encouraged when I, I saw this quote over the weekend by the Polish health minister regarding vaccine mandates. He said, you have to be aware that in our country, coercive measures are not only received badly, but can act counter-effectively and discouraging people and trigger an even more negative or even aggressive attitude. Now, growing up Gen X, you probably heard many a Polish joke, as I did. <laughs> They're all dumb, bordering on not making very much sense, but they all you know, had you know, people with Polish ancestry or people from Poland at the butt of the jokes, and you know, they're all ended up somehow of them being dumb or what have you, and a little bit of echoes from sentiment still from World War II and, and how quickly that country fell under German occupation. But Poland seems to be, in, in stark contrast to the rest of Europe, have insulated themselves from issues regarding uh, migrants and violence that they would have brought and also all these draconian uh, COVID measures. They have stayed above the fray. I mean, they were occupied by, by the communists in Europe for decades, and they seem to have no appetite whatsoever for any of these types of measures. And it's, it's encouraging to see, and I hope people will be more inclined to follow their example, but I just thought he phrased that really, really well. But now back to the protests, because it's certainly worth noting, and if, if you haven't had a chance to look, look at these yet, I encourage you to do it. It is um, very uh, sobering to see, but also very encouraging. The thousands and thousands, maybe even millions of people who came out 
at these protests. And I, I saw these posted by the, the Brownstone Institute, in particular by a man by the name of Aaron Gunn, who is posting on Twitter all throughout the weekend, uh, video upon video upon video of these protests happening around the world. And it's really, really encouraging. So as a show of appreciation and acknowledgement to all these folks, I want to read off the list that I have, and I'm sure there's even more beyond this, but the length of the list is pretty stunning. But I want to, I want to give, give my shout out to everyone who participated in this, and hopefully people will start to realize that they're not alone in their sentiments. So this, these are where these very vocal protests happen around the globe. Genova, Italy. Tbilisi, Georgia, London, England, Vancouver, Canada, Melbourne, Australia, Northern Ireland, Zurich, Switzerland, Vienna, Austria, Linz, Austria, Auckland, New Zealand, Budapest, Hungary, New York City, Zagreb, Croatia, Rotterdam, Netherlands, Amsterdam, Netherlands, Toronto, Canada, Denmark, Oslo, Norway, Finland, Manchester, England, Milan, Italy, Rome, Italy, Turin, Italy, Naples, Italy, Florence, Italy, Perth, Australia, Brisbane, Australia, Paris, France, Nico, France, Montpellier, France, Guadalupe, Caribbean, Athens, Greece, Prague, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Iran, Spain, Portland, Oregon, and Columbia. Now, the list certainly doesn't end there, but if you look up Aaron Gunn on Twitter, you will see him referencing protests in each of these areas and more. And they're not just pictures. They're not still shots. They're not something that was cropped from an earlier time, but they're all happening this past weekend, and they're all videos. Check it out, because if you have had trouble or been troubled by these crazy measures, these controlling measures, the government on step in their bounds with all things regarding COVID, you will be encouraged by this. Because remember, we have gone from shelter in place, 15 days to slow the spread, to we need to mask up, to we need vaccines, to we need vaccine mandates, to we need to mask and 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 mandate vaccines to we need boosters and on and on and on because what's the end game to all of this has it been articulated it hasn't i mean it, it, it was implied in the very beginning that we just needed to slow the spread we need to stop the spread well once we learned the pathology of this thing we realized where it came from what it is the mortality of this thing and we realize it's not going to go away and we're not going to be able to prevent this from spreading. It's going to be around for a very long time. But yet still, these policies take place. I mean, by argument's sake, what would be enough? If 100% of people in the United States were vaccinated, is that going to be enough? Or is it going to evolve into one booster, two boosters, three boosters, and so on? When does it end? If no one's going to articulate that, do not comply. Do not give up your freedom. Do not let anybody make any decision for you. Do not let any job, any, any church, 
any government tell you what you should do with your body or what your children should do, that is up to you. That is not the business of anybody. So if, if, you're, if your doctor tells you, sure, go ahead and get, get the vaccine, by all means do it. If your doctor tells you for whatever reason don't, then don't. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And don't let anybody force you otherwise. That ought not to happen, and you are not alone. I just listed off all of those cities across the globe where protests happened, where people are just tired of it. They want their freedom. They want their lives back. And we can take it back. And the way we can do it is just refuse to comply, refuse to give up your freedom. And do that this weekend while you are being grateful for everything that we do have because contrary to how it feels, we are still very blessed, we are still very lucky, and we still have a lot to be grateful for. So, till next time, enjoy your Thanksgiving, enjoy this time with your family and your friends, and keep doing what you're doing. So I will see you next time. Until then, shout out to Mrs. Garrett. And we'll see you next time. Have a great Thanksgiving or whatever. <laughs>